We are back at it. We're doing, uh, looking at Anthony Norris Groves today, I believe. Yeah. All right. So go for it. Uh, Anthony Norris Groves was a, a great influence in foreign missions. We think of uh, William Carey as the father of foreign missions, and, uh, and then of Adoniram Judson as the father of American foreign missions, hmm. because he was a, uh, came from Massachusetts and labored for many years successfully in, in Burma. But uh, Anthony Norris Groves, he was the one who really laid out what is called faith missions today, where people go out to serve the Lord without uh, necessarily pledges or promises of support or even a network of support and have and then go out and labor in the foreign field. Mm -hmm. And there are some missions, I think New, uh, Ethnos 360 yeah. would classify it this way. They'd say, uh, we are a faith mission because they have modeled themselves after uh, the China Inland Mission. And, and the China Inland Mission was founded by Hudson Taylor, and Hudson Taylor was deeply influenced by Anthony Norris Groves. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, Anthony Norris Groves' sister was uh, George Mueller's wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were close, and also... So they didn't ask anyone for a penny. They were very... They were very much on the faith mission idea. Yeah. And uh, George Mueller, he never advertised his needs. He would report about how the Lord met his needs after mm -hmm. the after the fact. Yeah. But he didn't he didn't advertise his needs ahead of time. Interesting. Now most mission organizations most the ones I'm familiar with today want you to build up support at least seventy five yeah. percent before you can go hit you know, get on the plane and or the ship. Um but and go to your destination country yeah, for yeah. mission work. The financial issue is a huge, huge obstacle for many, many people mm -hmm. and and be, can become a great, great strain. But Anthony Norris Groves found that that strain was a, a, a providential thing that the Lord uses to guide his people. Okay, so, so if God doesn't want them there, he's going to dry up their... It might be, Supply. but Anthony Norris, when he was in Baghdad, serving there, uh, I think from uh, 20, uh, 20, 1829 through to, uh, I wonder if he was there in 32. He's just there for three years. But they went an entire year without any mail or any support coming from England. Wow. He was an Englishman. <clears throat> yeah. He had been a, he had been a, uh, a dentist. He was raised in an Anglican home, and they were very religious. And his pet, his mother was a very sweet lady. His dad was an adventurous guy, a little bit, a little bit too adventurous because I I guess he he had found creative ways to lose money. Oh no, oh no! <laughs> but Anthony became a dentist, and he was a good one, and he really made good money, and I. Uh, I think he was converted in his teens, became okay. a believer, and as a young man, he decided that he wanted to uh, uh, give himself to the idea of missions. But first, he, he went through a long period 
where he was making this money as a dentist. And he and his wife pledged, his wife Mary, pledged that they would give 10% to the Lord. But then they, they decided, well, let's give, let's give 40%. Straight up. Right. That's un-American. To, to help the poor or yeah. to minister to others. And then, and then as time went on, they said, you know, let's just, they just whittled their, their lifestyles down as simply as they could and determined how much they would live on and then gave all the rest to the Lord. Oh, man. Yeah. They're probably the most joyful people you'd meet. He was radical in his thinking. Yeah. And he he wrote a book called Christian Devotedness. Hmm. This writing style of the early 1800s, I think, is rather difficult to be polite. It was it, it was hard reading. Yeah. And and there are other writers like J.G. Bellet and John Darby People always complain about their, how difficult they are to They're read. Paragraph-long sentences. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. It's just the the word orders. There's something about how they talk. Maybe the now, English. How people write is quite often different than how they talk in conversation. So I'm not sure what was going on. I suppose linguists and people who study these things know, but. I, I've read different things from that period and, mm-hmm. and puzzle over it. Mm-hmm. So, but he wrote this booklet, and it is—it's it, an old book, but it's really worth getting. What it's called it? Christian Devotedness. Christian Devotedness. Yeah, and in that book, what he does is he—he he shows how uh, all the the call to discipleship of the Lord Jesus should be taken literally. Okay. Yeah. So the idea of forsaking all. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and come follow me. That kind of thing. That's very, that's, that's un-American. That's, uh, that's revolutionary. <laughs> well, he tried as much as he could, as much as possible, to apply these things in his own personal life. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when the Lord says, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, you have to say that there are, in a way, some exemptions like like the lord jesus in his life he wore clothes yeah <laughs> right and uh and he would stay in people's homes the believers homes yeah and, he, and we have no record that he ever chided peter that peter owned a house or mary and martha they owned a house yeah so uh people would own a house and, and then he would uh you think about paul was paul a thorough disciple as thorough as i yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and also John, they, they were true disciples, and yet they would talk about with pen and ink. They would write, oh, well, if they have pen and ink, do they have paper too? Or something to write on? Yeah, or... or Parchment bus- or leather or, or something? Or supplies for his business. He's doing yeah. Work. yeah. Paul was a tent maker. Yeah. So no doubt he would travel around with a pack of tools like... And he even told his disciples, uh, if you do not have a sword, sell your garment and buy one. Jesus did, yeah, yeah. The Lord Jesus yes. had said that. So so Paul, uh, he would have had his packet of tools. Mm-hmm. Is that all right to do that? I guess so. And if you have, uh, uh, and if we are to be content with food and raiment, 
if we take raiment to mean shelter and food, is it all right to have a utensil or two to eat my food or a plate to put it on or even a table to sit up to? So the Lord is not in some way preaching an extreme message. Yeah. I think we have to judge what he's saying based on the actual behavior of, of his disciples, John and Paul and mm-hmm. the other disciples, and, and the way the Lord Jesus himself lived, and what he did say and what he didn't say. Yeah. So, hmm. so but all the same, when you hear those words, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, what do you think? Do you think, well, that's ridiculous? Or, huh, maybe I need to relinquish ownership of everything I have and treat it as if it's on loan. It no longer belongs to me. We're going through life as owners, grasping greedily after everything we can get. And and at the same time, we... uh, are arguing with the Lord about how he would guide us. So it becomes a real hindrance, I think, yeah, this, yeah. the whole thing about riches. Yeah. And Especially in the U.S. I mean, you roll out of bed. If you simply get up in the morning, you can do very well. <laughs> no kidding. So, Yeah, I, I, you see people who are not that ambitious, yeah. and yet all their needs are being met. Yeah. You know, it's not like in a lot of other countries I've been to where people are really working hard but not really bettering themselves very much. Yeah. They're, they're not able to have much. But here in the United States, you can accumulate a lot of stuff and hardly do anything. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Groves saw the great temptation of covetousness. Is there a sin, a prominent sin, that you can look to here in America? Well, I think the sin of covetousness would be that sin. Hmm. Because, and, uh, well, we often think about lust and, and immorality, but what is that? Coveting after another man's wife. Hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, true. So, so that, so, and there are a lot of people who are, who are not troubled with uh, those same kind of physical lusts. Yeah. But they are totally consumed with amassing riches. And uh, and so Groves talked about that. Well, that's one thing. But the basic point of his book, Christian Devotedness, was you've got to take seriously the call of discipleship of the Lord Jesus. He meant exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. And by my comments about Paul having pen and ink or tools to run, I don't want to... So qualify it, the, like uh, so as to say, hey, you've got nothing to worry about. It's kind of like you, you read those verses in the Gospels. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. And I was troubled. I was bothered. I was worried. Oh, but then I listened to this podcast by that nice Mr. Bjorley, and he so, so smoothed it all over and he showed me I have nothing to worry about. Everything is fine. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, I read you. So uh, that's not my ambition. If you're troubled by that verse, that's a good thing. <laughs> and and you try as much as you can in every way you can to live out those verses. And I think you'd be a happy man. Actually, the fact is, all for years and years and years, 
I, I try to give things away. I do. Yeah, I you tr- did. You're always, you're always trying to off stuff on us kids, too. <laughs> no, goodness. Yeah. Well, well, I try to give it away, but the more you give things away, people give things back to you. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's got to be a lifetime ambition to be a giver. Hmm. And it's the attitude, I am not an owner, I'm a steward. A steward takes care of somebody else's possessions. Hmm. And God is the owner. When he saved me, he not only saved me, he saved everything I have. We say the sure proof of a converted soul is an inverted wallet. Interesting. One that's flipped open. Interesting. (laughs) So Anthony Norris Groves went out with uh, some very interesting people from England to go and serve in Baghdad. But before he did, he had these experiences of faith. And one of them was he was planning initially on going out as a, uh, uh, through uh, a mission society, which was largely Anglican in, in nature. And so all of the, all of the missionaries that went out through the, the, the missionary society would have a, uh, a clergy status in the Church of England. So they take a theological course at university. Now, he'd already done his, his uh, 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 university training. He was already a dentist, and, and he had been trained. But, but now he had to take additional courses in theology, to qualify as a clergyman. Okay. And uh, and he was traveling from his home in England uh, by ship over to Dublin to go to the large university there and take these courses. And he had a certain amount of money he had set aside, and he believed he should not ever uh, do anything, never put himself in debt. He should always have the money ahead of time before he did anything. And, and he was praying about this. He was kind of wondering, you know, this whole thing about uh, theological training in order to serve as a missionary and also clergy ordination and all that. I, I'm not, he, he wasn't quite easy about it. And right the night before he was get, going to go over to Dublin for his next his series, uh, there was a sound downstairs in his home. He went downstairs. He found that he had been burglarized, and somebody had broken into a desk. And there, interestingly, he had left two envelopes, and one of them there was like thirteen pounds, the other forty pounds. Well, the container, the envelope with the forty pounds, was stolen, hmm. and that money was the amount of money. And it was interesting; they never touched the other envelope. They only touched the forty pound envelope and took that god sent a robber yeah and (laughs) and that was the money that he had set aside for the dublin trip interesting so he took it as a sign from the lord well if the lord wants me to go to dublin i had saved the money the money was there if the lord wanted me to go he would provide the money but he has not he the money's taken it was stolen so he decided i'm not going that's uh martin luther said the devil is God's devil. You know, it was one of these uber reform. And so, but it's just like a thief, a thief comes in and does the work of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So this was a big thing with with um, 
in, in Grove's experience, and he was talking with the people at the mission, mm-hmm. and they said, well, you've got to take that course. If you don't, you won't be, you won't ha- be ordained. And okay. he said, well, and then he arrived at this conclusion, well, why do I need to be ordained? Yeah. First, why do I need this theological training? And secondly, why do I need to be ordained? And when he asked that question, they said to him, well, if you don't get ordained, you can't celebrate the Lord's Supper. Oh, because, dude. Yeah, because in those days, you had to have a clergyman present to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Interesting. So, but, but he could take well, communion. Or you no, can like, receive communion okay. at the hands of a of a clergyman. But you can't break a loaf of bread in half. Well, that's the way it is in most churches. They don't they don't have breaking of bread uh, outside the presence of a clergyman. Now, maybe maybe this is not exactly true because I think they have deacons or lay people who will go to shut-ins in the Catholic Church, for instance, mm-hmm. and administer the Lord's Supper, yeah, there, or the Mass, as they call it. There, yeah, there is an emphasis on clergy administering the sacraments. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and this was very strong in his day. Interesting. And so, well, if you don't, if you don't uh, become a clergyman, you can't have the Lord's Supper. Uh, so, and then he thought, well, I, he'd been studying the Scriptures with some of his other friends, and he'd met different people. He became acquainted with John Darby, and they were all, John Darby himself was a clergyman mm-hmm. in the Church of Ireland. And, and others that, at that time. And uh, one of the guys that, that he met was a, was a tutor to, his, to Grove's children. His name was Henry Craig. Okay. And Henry Craig was, became the, one of the closest co-laborers of George Mueller. Really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, very, very interconnected. I mean, really. Close. They really were. They really yeah. were. And and George Mueller, who married Groves' sister. Yeah. Uh, Groves was from a family of six kids, but he was the only boy. So I, I don't know where um, uh, Mrs. Mueller came in there as far as the order of girls. Okay. But they married, and and George Mueller was deeply influenced by Christian devotedness, and so was. I believe Hudson Taylor. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that's yeah. important. Yes. That and that thinking. And by the way, I was told that Bill McDonald, when he came to write his book, he wrote it back in the fifties, nineteen fifties. True discipleship. True discipleship. Okay. Uh, really fed off of ideas okay. in Anthony Norris Groves' book, Christian Devotedness. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Cause that's a hard to swallow book. Yeah, true discipleship um, in, a, in a more clear present-day English presents a lot of the same themes. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're about the same length. Yeah. And, and uh, I, somebody told me that it was like an edited, that uh, true discipleship was an edited version of Christian <laughs> devotedness. I don't think that's so exactly, but... <laughs> Translated into our mother tongue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George Verwer used to buy them by the thousands. The, the true discipleship. He did. He did. And oh, that that operation. That little book that went into the million. Uh, they sold more than a million of those. Go for it. Yeah, that was a great Man. book. John Piper did one called "Don't Waste Your Life." Yeah, right. It is an easier to digest version. Oh. 
of <laughs> well for that's an American. Good for him. Uh, I uh, um, I find then that Groves was a courageous man, but faith gives people courage. Mm-hmm. And and so when you read in Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, by faith, and then it says. They stop the mouths of lions. They quench the violence of fire. They put to flight the armies of the aliens. So there's an unusual boldness that people of faith have. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen it many times, and I'm sure you have too. And and, and I hope I have experienced it, where God gives you amazing mm-hmm. boldness to do things that you would never have done yeah. before. Course, wouldn't have. We're studying the judges right now in Deborah and Barak. Yeah. And Barak took two, 10,000, he mustered 10,000 troops from two less, you know, non warring. They didn't have a reputation yep. of being warrior tribes, Zebulun and Naphtali, I think it was. Yeah. And sends them on a suicide mission. And they go. And he, they were brave and bold. Praise and God. They, yeah, they had the victory, but it was, you know, in faith, yeah. Coming down off the hill and yeah. meeting all these, oh. going down into the valley where the chariots would would be best, you know, most lethal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole package, but yeah, brave. I was challenged about Bayrak because oh. I, you know, oh, he was a he was weak and all this stuff, you know, a woman, and then, but I was challenged that he's really a man's man. He listened to God. He uh, didn't. He was not a respecter of persons. No. So Deborah calls him all the way south or up, you know, but all the way south to go to come listen. And he yeah. does. He goes. He responds. He was obedient to God's call. Yeah. The yeah. Whole package. Sorry. Praise God. Ah. So I rabbit trail. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's perfect. And uh, Groves, he with his with his um, wife Mary and uh, his uh, two sons. See now, one of his name was Frank. Anyway, the two boys, the Norris, uh, 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 the tr- two Grove sons, mm-hmm. uh, they labored with their dad. Later, when one of his sons returned, I think he went out when he, to on his way to Baghdad when he was nine or ten, and he said, "Once I, I, I went on the mission." He said, "I never really remember having been a boy." Interesting. Yeah. The the time in Baghdad was so difficult. They had gone out trusting the Lord. There was uh, I, there were several others that accompanied him, among them a man named John Keto, okay. who was deaf. Interesting. But a, a scholarly kid and and he later wrote a Bible and encyclopedia, kind of like a manners and customs type of book, yep. which became hot, widely used. Hmm all in the English language, and a very, very astute guy. And also, Francis Newman. Okay. And Francis Newman was the younger brother to John Henry Newman. Okay. That John, sounds familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, John Henry Newman was a leader in a, in a movement which wanted to reinstitute or reinvigorate the ritualistic side of the Anglican Church. Oh, okay. Returning more to their Catholic roots, yeah, yeah. so to speak. And eventually, and John Henry Newman was a, 
was a leader. Mm-hmm. He was a sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, scholarly. Yeah. And and he he wrote some books. I think one of his books was answered by John Darby. I remember. Um, you know who commented on it, okay. and and Darby said about Newman that he was sensuous, that is, uh, ruled by his senses. Interesting. You know the smell of the the incense, yeah, the yeah. stained glass windows, the the uh, the outward uh, mistaking yeah. what is seen for what is not seen. Yeah. Oh. So, um, what a jab. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he um, he uh, he had this younger brother. Anyway, John Henry Newman actually left the Anglican Church and became a cardinal. He was rewarded with a cardinal's cap in the Roman Catholic Church. What? When he defected to Rome. Interesting. Uh, the Pope rewarded him highly. His the, so the older brother that was trying to preach about this return to more tradition. ritualistic thing eventually kind of gave up on the Anglican really? Church like, and returned to Rome itself. The Catholics are like you're so far along, just give up the divorce thing and join us. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's, that's how it all started anyway. <laughs> and then well, Francis. Newman, on the other side, took another route, and he wrote a book called Phases of Faith. And he was there with, with Anthony Norris Groves, uh, who was serving in evangelism. He had a, uh, he had a dental clinic and an eye clinic and, and a school in for Baghdad. boys in Baghdad to help the people and reach out to the people. But they found it as a very hard go. Hmm. There was revolution. They would have there was infighting, tribal fighting, oh, and really? whole national uh, things going on. And they had a flood come through. They had a they had a plague that happened. I think in thirty one, it was either thirty or thirty eighteen thirty or thirty one. Okay, in which Mary came down, and and he writes, Groves writes in his in his journal, it, it, that it appears that she has the plague. It was a really hard blow. Like like uh, the Black Plague or something? Uh, what was it? It was something which was just a deadly disease Man. sweeping through the area. Just like you'd have a cholera epidemic. Yeah, okay. Um, but it was, uh, it, and it took her and an infant girl oh my that was born to them. Yeah, and uh, it, just an amazing blow. The, it's striking, though. Mary had opposed Anthony going on the mission field. And so Anthony said, I will not go unless you are for it. And so he just gave himself to prayer. Whenever the topic of foreign missions came up, yeah. and Anthony Norris Grosley he was such an enthusiast yeah. and an adventurer, he, he wanted to go out and do the missionary thing, yeah. she'd break into tears. Oh, man. But then... And then she goes and dies. No, no, that's not okay, the end of the okay. story. The, she got to the... While they're still back living in England before they ever left, she got to the place where she says, you know, I she had a whole change of heart. Okay. And she wanted to go more than anyone. Man. And she became an enthusiast. She became the promoter. Okay. And so they decided to go, and, uh, and yet 
they hadn't been there very long and the Lord took her. Ugh. It was it was such a blow. See, that would end it for most of us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, after they'd been there for three years and gone through so many setbacks and difficulties, and, um, and one of them being this Francis Newman, who was there, evidently was not at heart a Christian, a living Christian. Oh, okay, and interesting. And he pretty much ended up, he returned to England, ended up eventually abandoning the faith. Now, is this his book, The Phases of Faith? Phases of Faith. That's what expresses okay. this idea of, of uh, not having certainty okay. and, and not having confidence. So he, he, was a, he was into deconstruction before all these millennials yeah. had the yeah. midlife crisis. Well, I don't want to shock anyone, but some of these things that are uh, uh, getting a little attention are not new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. You're not revolution. You're not, uh... Yeah. So Nor Norris Groves ended up going. There's an open door to go to India. Mm -hmm. It seemed that the door was closing in Baghdad. They were mainly working among Muslim folk. Okay. And he went to. Uh, well, there was a, a a military general who was a Christian, outstanding Christian. And he made it possible for missionaries to come in. To, ba to Iraq? No, to India. India, India, okay. To, into India, India. And there's a place on the east coast of India uh, called the Godavari Delta. It's mainly in the state of Andhra Pradesh. Okay. And I don't know how they divided up the areas back in those days, but today it's Andhra Pradesh. And it would have involved... Uh, the city of Madras, that was what it was called, and now it's Chennai. Okay. And, and just reached up all along the coast there, up toward uh, Narsapur. I don't think it goes as far as Narsapur, okay. but the Delta area is a... Uh, it, it, might, it might be close to Narsapur. Okay. But he... Uh, Groves worked in that area in okay. evangelism. And while he was there, he also came in contact with uh, a man named John Arulampan. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it. Arulampan. Is this the, the, the apostle to India? Well, he saw revival. Okay. He saw an awakening. But there were others in that time who were also mightily used. Okay. And... I'd like to trace that sometime of the work in India because it's so thrilling. Cool. But uh, Groves himself, he had these strong views about how the Lord's workers should be supported and, and not this idea of treating it like a business transaction okay. um, where you candidate yourself. And nowadays, when, when preachers go to take a pastorate, they'll sometimes negotiate their wages. Yeah. thousand bucks a sermon, man, thousand bucks. <laughs> here's a question. The London Missionary Society yeah. sent a lot of the OG missionaries. I think they were connected with David Livingston. OG. O original gangster, like the old school, <laughs> the, the, the famous missionaries, the London yeah. Missionary Society. So it was the London Missionary Society, were they the type of organization, was it an Anglican church, uh, you know, a wing? 
where they would say, hey, you plug in with us, you do this, like like they were saying, hey, you need to do, you need to go to seminary, Anthony. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure what they put on people. I don't think that um, the Groves was going, initially wanted to go out through the London missionary, there's other missionary societies that, that okay. grew up, yeah. but uh, it was, I think it was a different one. Okay. But uh, the... This, I think this, what you're talking about, is the missionary society that David, or William Carey was involved oh, in. Oh, okay. Maybe, and, yeah. and that, yeah, William Carey was a Baptist. Okay. But they had Presbyterians and Anglicans and a lot of other people of different persuasions working with the London Missionary Society. Okay. Yeah. That, that way they can baptize all ages. You know, <laughs> just cover <laughs> So, but those societies, though, it seems like some missionaries were totally bankrolled. It wasn't well, an issue to them for it, raising funds. It might have been. I think it was Amy Carmichael or Gladys Allward. One of them in their in their biography, and they're they're spunky, like feisty people. Yeah, those ladies. But they mentioned how there's a bunch of these brethren missionaries who. There, it's all faith-based, but they were super clever at hinting toward oh. their needs. And that was this new form of speech that came up, is yeah, right. hinting toward your needs. And that became a thing. And so I don't know if that, that, you know, this abandoning of these main missionary societies led into this culture of saying... Yeah, well, all that says is that just because people say that I'm out by faith yeah doesn't necessarily mean that does it and yeah. and there are a lot of there are a lot of people over the years who have been as you say real clever about uh, advertising their needs letting people know we we say that in the bible you you don't have many financial pleas oh but you do i notice i uh, have one particularly strong plea in the time of Moses in which they had to plead with the people in the construction of the temple really? to stop giving <laughs> because they'd given too much. And I yeah. think the same thing happened in the time of the kings where they took a box and they put a hole in that box and they used uh, it yeah. to receive offerings. But there came a time when they had they were given too much. Yes, I remember yeah. that. I forget which king was reigning at the time. Yeah, yeah. I so, just read that like a month ago. Did you? Yeah, I remember that. But Yeah, those are two notable financial pleas that we have in Scripture. <laughs> but if, if the present arrangement, financial arrangements, are good and right, they ought to have definite proof in Scripture. Um, a book about groves that is real helpful is, uh, I think it's R.B. Dan. His last name is Dan. And he's a, he might be an old country writer, but he's written a biography. And G.H. Uh, Lang wrote a book about, about groves. And groves memoirs are available. You can buy the whole thing. Okay. And in... And, and then his book, Christian Devotedness, that's available also. Okay. Yeah. And so when he went over to the Delta, he, he met this uh, uh, 
Indian believer. He was from a Christian home. His grandfather had been a Roman Catholic, but then had become a, left the Catholic Church and became a Lutheran oh, wow. and was converted to Christ. There were German missionaries who came to... What a reformation. Yeah, well, the German missionaries are a lot of great uh, missionaries from Germany. And and I think his name was Schwartz. He was he uh, came over, and then there was another... Uh, oh, I'm not thinking of the name right away. But they were very notable, remarkable German missionaries okay. that came. And they were Lutheran. But they were gospel-preaching people who really loved the Lord. And, and, uh, and so uh, Arul Lampen's grandfather was converted, and he was raised in a believing home. Oh, nice. But then he came to Christ himself personally and was very devoted to the things of God. And, and he made contact with Groves. And Grove had, had a great influence on him. And through that influence, he later himself saw quite a remarkable <coughs> awakening. Actually, you mentioned Amy Carmichael yeah. right in the area where Amy Carmichael would later work. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was a great thing. Grove's uh, labored in India, I think, up into the 1850s, maybe 1852. Okay. And then he returned to to England and was nursed in George Mueller's home and died there. Oh, wow. Yeah, in that home. How old was he? <laughs> well, he would have been uh, 57. Oh, man. Yeah. Because people didn't live as long. Well, you get malaria repeatedly and go through all that he went through. They didn't have any ivermectin or... Uh... <laughs> or whatever else it is that people take yeah. for parasites and malaria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we can thank God for men like this. He, mm -hmm. he was deeply anti-sectarian. Hmm. really hated sectarianism, labored widely with Christians. It didn't mean he didn't have strong convictions. He had very strong convictions about missionary methods, okay. about financial methods. He wasn't afraid at all. At one time in India, there was a clergyman in India who described Anthony Norris Groves as the most dangerous man in India. Because he was saying you don't need to be in seminary to do. You this don't work. need to become a clergyman to preach the gospel. You don't. You you don't need the machinery. Interesting. Uh, ecclesiastical machinery to yeah. to function as a church. Interesting. Yeah. The most dangerous man in India. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And you mentioned a while ago that this wasn't an anti-clergy. My uh, train of thought, but rather an anti-laity yeah. train of thought. That yeah. not nobody should be laity. Everyone should be clergy. Yeah, that's really the the thinking of Scripture. But to have a special class of Christians who are called the clergymen, just like the way people refer to saints in the Bible, yeah. God would refer to the saints. And we'll talk that way. Uh, I'm going to go visit the saints over in in Appleton, Wisconsin, or I'm going to go visit the saints here or there. Yeah. And some people don't talk that way. 
They don't, they're not used to, they, they think that to call someone a saint is a special class of Christian, not all Christians. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is biblical yeah. thinking to view all of God's children as saints. Yeah. Yeah. And to talk that way, to think that way. Absolutely. So uh, that's a little bit about Groves. And I wish you could say more. His sons both went on to have an active ministry. Hmm. Uh, I want, I think there was a Henry Groves and a Frank Groves. Okay. I think that's the way it was. And they were both very influential. After their dad's passing, they were very involved in missions and promoting missions. Nice. Yeah. Is this one of the type of deals where you could go meet like his grandkid? I don't know Some if there's gospel descendants hall in there might be. You'd, I don't know. Just riding off the coattails. <laughs> that's, that's what I try to do. That's a wonderful heritage, a man. Yeah, cool. Yeah. It is. Could you sign my book? Yeah, no. I, it is very good. Imagine if you could say, yeah, my great-great-great-grandfather was Anthony Norris Groves. Wouldn't that be encouraging? Wow. That would. would. Yeah. Excellent. Why, is that a wrap? I, yeah, there's a lot more we could say, and I, I think some of the things that we got started on uh, were a little incomplete, but... Um, Fair enough. What's, what are some resources if someone wants to dig in deeper and find out more about one of the pioneers of faith missions? Oh, and especially about Anthony Norris. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll look up books about him. G.H. Uh, uh, Lang's biography, which is, which is uh, he, Lang would tell incidents of Groves, but then he'll go off on his own applications and okay. spiritual observations. That's the way Lang writes. And Lang also wrote a book about uh, uh, John Arulampan. And, and that is called The History and Diaries of an Indian Christian. Hmm. And, uh, and that's by G.H. Lang. And G.H. Lang was a big promoter of Groves' way of thinking. Okay. And then uh, R.B. Dan's biography about, uh, which is a recent biography, just has come out. And then his, his uh, journal... The Journal of Groves. It's, okay. There's an unedited, you know, as was journal, and I'm not sure there was a brother who wrote an edited journal. Okay. He edited it to help with the language because of its such difficult reading at times. Okay. But I don't know that he ever put it in print. It might be available online though. Okay. Now, yeah. did back home did Groves have people who promoted him? Because I think about this. I, I grew up, you and mom were faith-based. Yeah. And I never remember you guys putting out solicitations for donations. No. And and I do, I do remember, you know, just you're in this culture. So you hear about things not being able to happen because people didn't have the money to do it. Yeah. Things like that. Did missionaries like Grove? So for me, personally, I've worked in a professional environment for the last decade I have investments. I work. I have. I have. A, you know, multiple. Yeah. I have two companies that I'm running. Three, kind of. One's not official, but it's a company. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, doing. I think great by God's grace. Yeah. And so for me, it's very easy to just say, "Hey, if you think we should stay home and support the missionary, because people say, oh, someone's got to support the missionaries.' Yeah. Then do it. Then step up and pay more. 
Oh, yeah. Is it good for someone to do that, to kind of promote people who are running on faith? So you know a missionary who's going to Papua New Guinea. Yeah. And, you know, for them it's a huge step. Their dad's an engineer, their mom's a teacher. They're like, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going on? And is it good for people in the home, at, in the, on the home turf to say, to, to be promoters? And, and I, I think it is good. But I'm just wondering what your opinion of that is. And then, did Groves have those type of people back home? Did um, William Carey, all, all the, these other folks that were you know heavy hitters in mm-hmm. history, in mission history? Yeah, yeah, good question. So the Apostle Paul did not issue financial pleas for himself. I don't think we have any record of that. But we do have him telling after the fact about of his experiences financially. Okay. So he'd say, "Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't eat. I had no, I had no clothing. I had no food. I couldn't. I." So he'd talk about fasting. Okay. Fat in fastings oft, but then then he says, "And in hunger." Mm. So you fast because you want to take a little time away and isolate yourself and meditate and get with God and pray. Yeah. But. What about hunger? What, how does that fit in? Well, I think that means he had no money to eat. And, and so he, would, he was real honest about that. And he said, uh, uh, have all my needs always been met? Well, if, if experiencing physical hunger means that your needs are not being met, then my needs are not being met. But I'm still alive. Yeah. yeah. So I guess my needs were met. The mm-hmm. Lord provided. I didn't die. Yeah. So... Um, there's some people who think that a Christian should never experience those kind of things. So, he, so when he gets thrown into jail, he always has bail money. <laughs> so, but Paul didn't always have bail money. No. Right? Yeah. In fact, there were t- times, remember he was in a jail situation, and the guy who was in charge was expecting him to give him some money. Yeah. 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 But he didn't, evidently. Yeah. That, that didn't happen. So Paul had real physical needs. As far as we can tell, he never advertised his needs, but he would talk about the needs of others. Okay. So the, in Jerusalem, there's a famine, yeah. and he pleaded with the believers um, to support them. He said, you know, you've been benefited by the workers who came up from Jerusalem. Now it's your turn to support them. They, okay. su- they helped you. Now you support them. Okay, yeah. So that's... Totally fine, okay. right? I'm not. I'm not out advertising my own needs, but I can freely talk about needs of others. Yeah, kind of advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and you should. And I've known brothers who've done that, where they go to the foreign field, like Steve Rusk has done that in India, and yeah. has seen valid. And we're always wondering, well, what is a valid work? Who yes. are these people yeah, anyway? How, what's going on? Yeah, how much of my dollar is it, is going to get to that guy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Right. And by the way, in giving, um, there are ministries we have here in the United States, mm-hmm. reputable, I mean, well-known ministries, yeah. which budget as much as 10% of their budget for advertising. Straight up. What do you think of that? I don't know. I mean, the ends justify the means, so maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, I mean, You're raising- I just grieved 
to think about how so many ministries and and uh, you know which could have a great effect and mm-hmm. experience the blessing of God leading them, yet they cushion themselves in such a way by using the world's methods, and they don't know the joy of being led by the Holy Spirit. And yeah, I mean. I don't know. Well, Sometimes there are a lot of ways by which we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Yes. But yep. that, I get that. Yeah. But this is one of them. Yeah. And it's a big one. Yeah. This well, whole thing about finances. Shameless plug for CMML, Christian Missions in Many Lands. Yeah. Every single penny you give them will go to the missionary. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And there's, there are other organizations like that, yep. like Christian Workers Fund. Okay. And... Uh, I, I, yeah, I can think of different ones. Yeah, they, uh, MSC Missionary Service Committee in yes. Canada. Yeah, it all goes. They send it all. If you designate money for their, because they have expenses too. Yeah, and you designate uh, a part of your gift or 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 you know another gift. Mm-hmm. You know they they're they'll great gratefully receive it. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're clutch. I mean, housing and transport. Um, basic provisions when missionaries do come back to the U.S. Yeah. So, yeah, giving money directly to those organizations. Praise is, God for yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. 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 So I've become more convicted about advocating. And I'm curious about these uh, historic missionaries, if they were just like, wake well, up in the morning. And Anthony North Grove's brother-in-law uh-huh. was George Mueller. Okay. So George Mueller himself was a supporter, a financial supporter, to Anthony Norris Groves, and and um, also of course George Mueller, a lot, uh, uh, he was supporting people like Hudson Taylor. Mm-hmm. George Brealy was another evangelist he supported. There are other men that he was a big encourager to. Okay. Oh well, Frederick Bedeker, that he was he was a big supporter of Bedeker in his work. Okay. So. So, yeah, Mueller was one of those guys. He would do that. Okay. He'd support these workers and I'm sure uh, make make available their mission reports and let yeah. people know what's going on. Promote them a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good example. And really, Paul does that. Yep, he does. Paul, he'll talk in the ending of Colossians. He mentions all these other co-workers as if to say, these are really good guys. These are the people you should be getting you contact them and get them to come over and visit you and help you out yeah that kind of thing yeah yeah good deal all right so that was on a side but i think it's in line with this how does that type of mission style translate to today in a culture in a mission culture or the the mission culture the mission climate is we have x amount dollar amount i want you to travel the country and raise that before you can hit the yeah hit the road yeah i I uh, I hear about that all the time of young couples who maybe don't look flashy or they're going to a place that doesn't seem very dramatic and romantic. Yeah. And so they, they'll be uh, um, ra- doing fundraising yeah. for years before they go. Yeah. And personally, I, I find that so embarrassing. It's so sad. And I, 
and and really unnecessary for uh, for the church, the homeland church. The fact the that homeland we church, not. the churches are not being instructed about their personal responsibilities to give and how to give and yeah. when to give and who to give to and so on. They're yeah. not. They're, they're just thinking. Well, I just trust. I really trust these big organizations. They seem to be doing a really good job, and so I we we always make sure we give through these organ. Well, why not give directly to people that you actually know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so this idea of making yeah. a young couple who are zealous for God now it's a risk. It's a real risky, dicey thing. Yeah, to go on the foreign field. Yes, it's it's a hard thing. Yeah, and. And so, yeah, I've been, I, I've been finding though that so the Mormons who are out missioning a lot of evangelical churches, they have an obligation. Like if you're gonna be, uh, I don't know what, be able to wear the special underwear, or what I don't know what their thing is, but you must give ten percent. Oh, oh yeah. Like we're gonna debit out of your bank account every every month. You know, like <laughs> like we're just gonna we're garnishing this stuff. And so, but as for Americans, I think why, like if, if we did say every single penny I bring in, I'm given 10% of this. Yeah, yeah. I think it would revolutionize the level of generosity. And I think there's these huge churches that bilk it out of people. Hey, come for daily vacation Bible school. We're going to pass an offering to a bunch of eight-year-olds and tell them to go home and get money from their parents. And it's nuts. But if you're oh, yeah. a member of a church, and if you're not giving 10%, I think you have an obedience issue, at least. Well, I, I know that you go to these churches, and, and uh, the Sunday school, they'll have an offering. Prayer meeting night, they take an offering. The first service on Sunday morning, they take an offering. Mm-hmm. The second service, they take an offering. And some of the services, they'll actually pass a hat twice. Yeah. So they always know how to take the offering. That's a, a big ritual that they yeah. got to go through. In fact, the meeting is not complete without taking an offering. Yeah. Although I, I, I puzzle over it. I say, yeah, yeah, they seldom, like once a quarter, they'll break bread together. They don't know how to break bread. And they don't even know what it means. And yet they sure know how to take an offering. <laughs> so they make a big deal about the offering. And and then they're whining about they, uh, not meeting their budget. Well... And then these churches will have have uh, repeated meetings. They'll have their their financial giving Sunday, and they'll big, make a big deal about talking about giving. Well, I I I I I firmly believe that churches need to be instructed on the whys and wherefores of giving. They ought to be well acquainted with First hmm. Corinthians chapter nine. Okay. They ought to be well acquainted with Second Corinthians chapter eight and chapter nine. Those are chapters on giving. Okay. They, they need to know. They need to be acquainted with the Lord's teaching on the matter. And, and, uh, and, and so we should be, in a serious way, teaching it. But these, these harangues on giving, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I would say I'm real uncomfortable with that. Okay. I, don't, I don't like to hear it. Yeah, I just think, hey, I you know when I I'm listening to a really good radio program, mm-hmm. and they're moving along, they're preaching the word, 
it's you think you're saying amen amen and then they come to the part where where we have a special offer at the end of this month and you buy this book or get this certain thing uh you know if, if you order this and send in a complimentary gift then we'll or I don't know how they say it. They have a clever way of saying it. Yeah. We'll, as a compliment to your giving, we'll send you this item. Yeah. I just, I, I was raised among unbelievers who mocked and ridiculed that kind of thing all the time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't do it. Yeah. And I don't want to hear it. I don't. Yeah. I think, hey, if I wanted this, I'd go buy it, but I. I don't. I don't think it's an appropriate thing. Okay. When you're talking to a mass audience, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know whether they're saved or lost. When you solicit them for a donation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. They went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Hmm. See, that's the way it says it in John's epistle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And and I mean, we're sitting here recipients my upbringing is a recipient of the generosity of the christians you know yeah. you know i've so I've, i can only say good things about people's generosity yeah thank god but interesting it's wonderful it's it's amazing when you see the love of god no no one forced it's just i just praise god it's yeah. just, i'm amazed by it good deal all right so what was the name of this missionary we just discussed again? Anthony Norris, Norris. Groves. All right. <laughs> that was a, well, not even a rabbit trail, just a separate run. But it, on the same idea, this guy Yeah, was... he lived from 1795, and I think he died in May of 1853. Good deal. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's that, and I'm going to shut it down. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, you bet.